Hop over, dude. Come on. You're good. You want to go outside? Okay, let's go outside. Hey. <laughs> the smile immediately on her face. She's <laughs> like, know. yes, that's like, exactly you know what I want. It's crazy. She'll just go out there and just, just sit underneath the truck. She's garden. For garden hours. Yep. <clears throat> okay, so we're going to talk about rigs. <laughs> and what are the different rigs that we have and how other rigs would fit into the paradigm and mm. what um so or what problems different uh, living situations solve and what complexities come with those mm-hmm. um because that's something that's often overlooked yeah and there definitely. isn't a ton- there's plenty of information but at the same time it's not distilled very well yeah and, and just to point out there's no perfect rig mm-hmm. so there every single setup has its benefits and its drawbacks so that's why you want to search out what's best for you, right? Because and situationally, yeah, and yeah, definitely. If you're, you know, like us, we're in the backcountry a lot, so we need something that has better clearance for our vehicles and or, or a camper. Whereas if you're not going in the backcountry, if you're just if maybe your van life and you're doing in a Sprinter van that doesn't have four by four, well, that's great. I mean, you're you're just in different environments, right? So you wouldn't if, if you're not going to go in the backcountry, you wouldn't need four by four and right. all those extra things. Uh, if you're going to just stick to like national parks and stuff like that, you could do it in just a straight up conversion van. You're good to right. go. Or so. like a big ass RV. Yeah. Know? Like there's some instances where that may work if you're just going from like RV park to RV park. Yep. But with that luxury, with that luxury comes mobility issues like there's you're limited in the places that you can go Mm -hmm. and the cost is another thing absolutely it's expensive and the the maintenance on those are a lot and if you have any repairs while you're on the road that can throw a huge wrench in your budget right so where we'll start we'll talk about our two different rigs Mm -hmm. and um, kind of what we've got going on and why we've chosen the things that we've chosen Mm -hmm. and then from there we can sort of deviate into other potential options and where Mm -hmm. those fit in and the benefits of those yeah and so and and i think also to just lightly touch on some of our friends that also do this that are in different setups and what works for them and 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 why they chose what they chose sure so let's start with you i mean you you've got a 13 foot scamp yeah that you purchased what what year is the scamp? It's an eighty eight. Okay, but same in, same year as me. <laughs> oh, nice! But it's in great shape. I mean, yeah. it's, it's it's those are so bulletproof and and they're lightweight. Yeah. So that that's really nice. So t- so tell me why like out of all the things you could choose from. Yeah, you why chose the scamp? scamp. Yeah. So when we began looking into it, we were initially looking at tiny houses, and we were thinking because mm-hmm. we we're trying to think of a way to not be bleeding out. And this is like a low number, generally speaking. But for us, nine hundred dollars a month mm-hmm. is a good chunk of money you know mm-hmm. so in the city we were paying at least that for our houses and stuff and it just didn't seem sensical and i'm pretty defiant by nature so just <laughs> like peeing out or sorry um like bleeding out 900 dollars a month yeah like kind of irked me so i was trying to think of a way to alleviate that yeah um so we first looked at tiny houses um and then tiny houses are cool but they're like illegal everywhere yeah. And that's why you have to have them on wheels is so that you can skirt um, like foundation laws and it's technically a mobile vehicle and mm-hmm. all this. So there was a lot of complexity that came with that. And the tiny houses were like on the low end, 60 grand, you know. So we would have to get the tiny house, then find a place to illegally park it. And there's just a lot of complexity with that. And over and over again, people were like, well, why don't you just get a camper? Mm-hmm. You know, and the whole time I was like, well, we could do that. But with a tiny house, we can like flesh it out and we can buy it. And it can be done. Like, that can be our house for a long time, for the foreseeable future, at least. Mm-hmm. Um, but then we looked into financing that, because I can't just, like, come up with 60 grand. 
like I could over the course of several years, but like that's another thing, you know. We yeah. then the whole time that we're saving up for a tiny house, we would have to keep paying out rent, you know. Mm-hmm. So um, we started looking at campers, started looking at RVs and stuff, and vans and the like. Mm-hmm. And truly, a lot of the um, vans and campers, everything is pretty expensive. Like, yeah, um, I feel I feel it's overpriced, and they're capitalizing on the, totally. the trend. Totally, yeah. but like ten grand minimum for most things. Mm-hmm. So then um, we went up to Iowa to go look at campers with um, Elsa's grandparents because mm-hmm. they spent um, many years traveling in RVs. Cool. So we went up there, talked to them, and looked at different RVs. And on the lots, we couldn't find anything that was like small enough for what we wanted. Because another thing is a truck. Like buying a truck is. It's expensive. It's expensive. At least, you know, another 10 grand Mm -hmm. for, you know, but that's at least like bare minimum to get like a good truck, you know? Yeah. So we were, I was trying to find a way to not have to buy a truck and a camper, you know? So, um, we looked at all these RVs and they were all just too big. And even the truck bed campers were too big Mm -hmm. and too heavy, too expensive. You had to get a truck. So we were looking around on Craigslist in Iowa and we saw this guy that had a scamp. I was like, that's cool. Like this little egg thing. You yeah. know? Um, and we went and checked it out and he had a uh, Subaru that he was towing it with and he had towed it all up and down the West coast and it was excellent. His had, his was the bathroom model. So where we have our like bench seat, mm-hmm. um, he had a bathroom. So truly that one felt like pretty claustrophobic. Mm-hmm. Um, but at that point we were still thinking there's no way that we can have a house without a bathroom, mm-hmm. you know? Um, so we were thinking, well, the scamp's cool, but having the bathroom in there, it's just like too tight. Um, so then we kept poking around online, found more scamps and really were looking at the, um, bathroom model and how we would deal with not having a bathroom. Mm -hmm. And truly there are enough, um, solutions out there and we could talk about how to poop in the woods or like watch Elsa's video or whatever. (laughs) Yeah. But, um, you can really do it without a bathroom. You don't need all that space dedicated to that. 20 minutes a day that you're pooping you know yeah. that's kind of redundant and then and then i would think you'd also have like the black water issues and right. jumping and yeah there's maintenance a lot of complexity stuff it just adds to and even the the fresh water to like flush it that turns into black water you got to carry that mm-hmm. then you got to carry your black water and then you got to take it to a place that you can dump it mm-hmm. and that's just there's a lot of complexities that come with that and truly now that we've done it it's not worth it yeah um so anyway we're looking at scamps we um started looking at this model and at the time, we had a Mini Cooper and a Pontiac Vibe as our potential tow vehicles. I had a Mini and I had a Vibe. Um, so we were like, well, we got to get something small if we're going to tow it with this, you know. Mm-hmm. And we were initially looking at bigger things that we could finance or whatever to, um, we could finance it and then um, like tow it and or get a bigger, th- I don't know. Yeah. We were looking at other solutions, but we were like, well, what, what if we just dealt with what we have currently? You know, mm-hmm. so then um, the idea of scamps came in or continued to flourish, I guess. Mm-hmm. And um, the we were initially looking at the 16 foot model so we could do a bathroom. We leave or decided that that wasn't really the route. And then we started looking at 13s. Crazy thing about scamps and all these casitas, bowlers, all the fiberglass trailers is there's quite a market for them now. Mm-hmm. Um, like I've heard even 10 years ago, you could get them cheap. Mm-hmm. But now with the internet and with like, um, I don't know, this whole nomadic thing being a thing, 
um, they're getting pretty expensive. Yeah. So we looked all over, scoured the internet for months trying to find them. Anytime we would like contact somebody, they would have sold it by the time um, we could like coordinate to go pick it up. Hmm. So we found this one. It was in uh, Minnesota, about an hour south of Canada. Um, we borrowed our buddy's truck to go look at it, and it was listed for four at four grand. We talked him down to like, um, or we it was listed at forty five hundred. We talked him down to four grand on the phone, which is a good chunk of money. But at the same time, like, that's within reach for most people, you know, mm -hmm. like Absolutely. saving up, especially between two people, you know. Mm -hmm. So we went up, borrowed our buddy's truck, drove up there, checked it out. It looked good. Um, there was a little bit more water damage than we anticipated so we talked him down to 35 or 3700 i think uh -huh. um and then we were off to the races like towing at home that was my first time really towing anything <laughs> so that <laughs> like was I got my house yeah and that was that was crazy yeah in our buddy's truck driving down the highway uh -huh. and looking in our rearview mirror and we have our house on yeah. the back That's for me i was just like yeah like <laughs> we've done it you know we found like hacks for life like yeah. we found a house that for $3,700, like, that's goofy, yeah. you know? And it's on, we, we've taken it home, like, it's it's working. Mm -hmm. For Elsa, that was kind of, like, what have we done? Like, what, what is... <laughs> like, a, like an oh shit moment? Yeah, Like, totally. oh, man, now we're totally, committed. Totally. <laughs> um, but for me, I was pretty stoked on it, and I thought it would for sure work. Um, so, yeah, that's how we worked into the scamp. And we... And it was truly um, the most... Um, like easily attainable, like especially financially option. Like we didn't have to get a new car. We didn't have to do anything. Just buy this thing for 3,700 bucks and we're rocking, mm -hmm. you know? So that's kind of how that came to be. Cool. You? And, well. The truck and everything else. Yeah, well, but first of all, I want to ask you some questions about the scamp. Like, sure. Like I've heard that they're pretty lightweight. What is your, yeah. what is your scamp weight? I haven't actually weighed it, mm -hmm. but um, I'm thinking like definitely under 1500 probably with all of our stuff in it around 12 oh, 1300 nice. pounds something yeah. like that. That's good cuz like in my truck I was looking at pop-up campers for yeah. a while. And like dry weight on some of those are 12 1400 pounds. Totally. I'm going yeah. how's that going to affect the performance of my truck? Yeah. You know, especially on trails. Right. So So yeah, we had a Mini Cooper S. Uh -huh. So it was pushing like 160 horsepower. So it's not like it was supercharged and it had disc brakes, like full side discs. Uh -huh. It was built for racing, effectively. Yeah. It, they didn't have a towing capacity. And when I asked them, they were like almost upset with me for even thinking of it. You know, <laughs> you're gonna do what? Yeah. <laughs> no, I went into the dealership and was talking to them, and they were like, "No, there's no towing capacity." And I was like, "Well, what if I did? You know, like, mm -hmm. what do you think it would handle?" But the the cars are built pretty well, and truly, like, it's light enough to where I can pull it around by hand. So if you it's not that crazy of a thing. Now, once we were going off-road and, like, doing some of the gnarly stuff that we did mm -hmm. with that setup, um, we definitely pushed it to the limit. Mm -hmm. But some of the roads that we went on mm -hmm. with the Mini, now that we go have the Subaru and are pulling, yeah. it's amazing what that little car could do. Well, I think it's amazing what the Scamp can do, too. I've seen videos where it's actually getting air. Yeah. Like, you go through bumps, <laughs> and it'll, it'll maybe hit one on accident. It gets air, and it's like, boom, like, no yeah. problem. So it looks like it's pretty bulletproof. Yeah, and we should probably, like, beef up the suspension and mm -hmm. um, the frame and everything, but it just hasn't. If it's not broke, don't fix it, I guess. <laughs> I hear type that. Of deal. Yep. Um, but... Yeah, there's there are lots of things that we would like to do in the near future to like beef it up and make it more um, dependable and just know that everything's solid, you know. Yeah. But it's performed superbly well, like beyond my expect expectations as far as like 
off-road capability and everything. Yeah. It has a decent amount of clearance, too. Yeah, I'm impressed with where you guys get that thing. Yeah. And and how easily it is to be, be maneuvered. But, of course, the, the size of it is so ideal. It's right. not this huge behemoth that you have right. to worry about overhead clearance all the time totally. and things like that. And people often ask, like, well, are you guys going <clears> to <throat> upgrade? Make sure that, yeah, he's still going. Um, are you going to upgrade to, like, something bigger? Mm-hmm. And in a lot of ways, like, there is more luxury that comes with that. We could have more stuff, whatever. But the fact that i can pull around the scamp by hand and like mm-hmm. maneuver it into position yeah is like yeah, invaluable you know yeah you awesome. get into spots normally you couldn't yeah and then and especially with like solar and shade and trying to balance that and getting it to where the hole in the side is on the right side so that we can get the panels in the sun easily mm-hmm. and also get the scamp into the shade um like doing that with the car, I'm getting better at it now to where I can get it into like the relative position. But when we first started and I was doing it with the mini, uh-huh. it was like I would pull up and then get it into position by hand, like move it all around and then have to like squeeze the mini out. Oh, you know? yeah, because you kind of trap yourself in a little yeah, bit. Yeah, because yeah, I would just go forward until it's like in the relative position. And yeah. So that was goofy. Yeah, you, you guys seem to, seem to enjoy setting up in an area for a little bit. And, yeah. And then kind of operating out of there and then you pack up and move on every right. two weeks and stuff like that so what do you what do you look for in relation with the scamp is there anything in particular that you like features that you like like do you want to be next to water well, water is super helpful especially in the warmer months because mm-hmm. to be able to just jump in the water and um, clean off also to like get water to do our dishes and stuff mm-hmm. it's a lot easier that way um, water just makes things a lot easier when it's warm i would agree um but it's not like a definite necessity mm-hmm. it's just something that we look for um also in the warmer months ele- uh, elevation if, if you can't get like big trees to park under then elevation is key mm-hmm. um if you can get higher it's like every thousand feet is like four degrees cooler mm-hmm. you know so if we we our thermostat is sort of elevation so if we're too hot in the lowland then we can push up an elevation and get to somewhere cooler yeah that makes sense um what else sun <clears throat> Mm-hmm. is a big thing, uh, especially if we're planning on spending most of our time in the scamp rather than going into town to work, mm-hmm. which has been more and more as we get accustomed to this. Yeah. So if we can get good solar, it's like a mix between, you want, especially in the summer, you want good shade, but we also need to have decent sun um, so that we can make power to do our work and stuff. Mm-hmm. So it's nice that we have the modular solar panels. I would definitely recommend that. I would um, over like hard mounted or fixed solar panels. Absolutely. There's benefits to that. Like you don't have to worry about as security as much, and it's easier. It's always out. Yeah, but, and then if you're driving, it's charging. But if right. you, if you're parked in a spot for a long time, right, you might not have the ability to to, right. to harvest the sun, especially in the summer, because you don't yeah. want to be parked in the sun. Right. So with our Goal Zero um, Yeti and the panel, we can walk out into the sun. I can position it in the sun, and that can be like, I don't know, as far away from the scamp as we need it to be. Because mm-hmm. how long is your cord? Like 50 feet or something like that? No, the cord's actually short, but the, cool, the battery oh, that's is right. modular, yeah, that's and it right. has a handle. So we can take the battery and the panel and go set the uh, battery under the panel. Oh, and, yeah. sun. and then that. and then that optimizes our um charge efficiency mm-hmm. because we can position it like exactly all throughout the day mm-hmm. um like every hour or two i'll go out and check it and make sure there's no uh shade on it because mm-hmm. the um the efficiency of the panels is nuked like sufficient like a ton if you have any shade on it like even as much as a hand covering it that, yeah. it nukes it down to like 
20%. Yeah. And even in the panels themselves, like our 30 watt panel, mm -hmm. it's a 30 watt panel, quote unquote, but that's at like optimum in like a testing facility with beaming light from God, you know, like I don't even know how they get 30 watts out of it. Yeah. But we can normally get like 24, mm -hmm. like 27 is probably the most that I've ever seen. Um, but yeah, with any shade at all, it'll drop it down to under 10, you know? Mm -hmm. So with it being modular, we can like position that in the sun perfectly nice. all the time. Cool. So that's super helpful. And, and that helps us to be able to park in the shade with the scamp too. Cool. So well, what sort of drawbacks have you found with the scamp? Um, well, the size is a thing. Uh, but honestly, it's not as much of a crux as we would have anticipated. Mm -hmm. Um, because it has a lot of storage, you know, like under so we have the bed set up to where it's always a bed so underneath there we keep all of our clothes and like instruments like our tank drum and elsa's ukulele and stuff mm -hmm. and then under each of the um like bench seats there's a good amount of storage mm -hmm. and then under the main bench seat there's a good amount of storage and then we have the closet and then we actually gutted the um furnace and the fridge that was in there and that's all just, like, food storage, effectively, and, like, all of our cooking materials and stuff. Oh, so that furnace was underneath, like, the sink area? Yeah. Oh, so there was a furnace that. and a fridge, and that's, like, it, and, like, a little cubby hole. Oh. But since we gutted all that out, we have all that space to put all kinds of food and stuff. And nice. we need to optimize our shelving system there. But, yeah. yeah, space is a thing, but truly we don't, like, struggle with it. And we keep a good amount of stuff outside, like cooking things. And yeah. I try to keep stuff outside that, like, if somebody walked off with it, it wouldn't um, like hamstring us too bad. Yeah. It would be a real bummer if somebody stole stuff. Oh, I know about that. Yeah. Um, but, <laughs> but yeah, we try to like um, keep it buttoned up. And honestly, part of it too is we have the camouflage of like the 30 year old rig. Yeah. And it, we don't look like we're mega affluent, you know, and we don't like put a, I don't like put stickers on stuff mm -hmm. like with all the brands. Cause if I put like, Bose, you know, Goal Zero, yeah. all these like expensive things, and that's just kind of like it's just it's like a beacon. Yeah. yeah. So I try to keep it to where we have the camouflage on. It looks like we're just, you know, redneck camping it, and, yeah. and effectively we are. <laughs> There's nothing but, like that. Yeah, but I just don't. And like having Apple stickers on the back of the scamp or whatever, and Canon would be like, yeah. not that would not behoove us. No. You know? Well, yeah. No, I, I told you. Um, so yeah, just try to stay low key and that kind of deal mm -hmm. but that's kind of getting sidetracked but other downsides to the scamp um if you're buying one now they're oftentimes expensive you really gotta look mm -hmm. but there are lots of um like fiberglassrvs.forsale.com and there's scamp and casita forums and all these things mm -hmm. and i think too over time people will learn to make them for cheaper because it's such a bomb proof um, design. Yeah, for being an 80, you said 88. 88, 88 yeah. like, and the design hasn't changed since like the early 70s. That's awesome. The guy that originally came up with the design was a, um, what's it called? The uh, septic tank. He designed septic tanks. No way. And then yeah. he's like, I'll make a can. Yeah, like big fiberglass <laughs> septic tanks. That's awesome. So our. Um, <laughs> Our, uh, that's cool. Our whole house is designed after a shitholder. You know, so <laughs> that's awesome, that's man. That's pretty cool. Um, that's cool. But yeah, so uh, they're pretty expensive now, but you can tow them with anything. Uh -huh. um, just about, like you can tow them by hand. You can probably tow them with a bike, you know. Mm -hmm. um, but as far as downsides go, really, I guess you could just say the size is something to get used to. But when you're living in nature, um, you can just go outside and yeah, that's how you live in here. Yeah. That's what I look at. So it. we just sleep in the scamp effectively. Yeah. Um, 
but yeah and then to, to accommodate that like if we need if we had like more gear or whatever we could get a rooftop carrier for the car mm. and the subaru holds a lot of stuff and truly the mini did too because it was a hatchback i'd say if you're doing this and you're gonna tow something having like an suv or hatchback style car is in your best interest versus like a sedan because mm. um, then you can use all that space that makes sense um but yeah as far as downsides go it's really hard to think of many um aside from space but truly that's not been an issue i feel like it's in our best interest to have less space because then we have less crap you know yeah and then you have more flexibility right and all of our things are like essentials yeah you just you just recently did a remodel kind of yeah a little bit <laughs> yeah. some updates i guess yeah, so yeah. so explain like what was in there initially what you've got now with uh, some of the changes you made and where you see yourself like say six months from now and also your winter plans okay so um when we got the scamp, it had this like bunk bed feature and we thought that would be cool for like hosting people and stuff. Mm -hmm. And it was like, we probably had, we had people sleep on the bunk beds, I think under five times. We actually had a couple sleep on the bottom bunk and their friends sleep on the top. So there were five of us sleeping in the 13 foot scamp. It was wild. Um, and, but it truly wasn't like horrible for the two sleeping on the bottom bunk. It was, uh -huh. Like they could have had a better time, you know, but it wasn't. Like, they slept some. Yeah. Um, it was, some. <laughs> yeah. But most of the time when people come out and hang out, like, we have the tent and we have our um, sleeping mat, bat, or sleeping pads and everything, so we can kind of, like, hook them up with a spot. And a lot of people car camp, and that's a yeah. great option. That's something that we need to, like, hit on in a little bit is car camping and For how sure. to do that. Because that's, that's hugely, a, it's a great option, and it's really accessible. But anyway, um, we had the bunk bed. Um, the back seat of, or the back of the bunk bed would actually fold up and make into a bunk. I was wondering how that worked. Yeah. Cause I'd seen it when, it, when, when it, I guess it was closed. Yeah. And I didn't realize that popped up. Right. So there's this bench seat and it's a flat bench. And then on the back, it had like another cushion. You would lift that back cushion up, put on these like stabilizer rods, and then mm -hmm. that would be a bunk bed, okay. which is cool as shit. Like that convertible sort of. Um, great for, for small families yeah, yeah. for real like if we had a couple kids or whatever yeah. it would be excellent um, but we just weren't using the bunk bed very much and that back um, that like backrest mm -hmm. had a couple inches of space behind it and the backrest itself was like four inches thick Oh, okay. Um, so that's like another six inches of space, which really matters in such a small space. Yeah. Um, these flies are getting gnarly. Yeah maybe from that door. Oh maybe should we close it quick yeah, whatever. We yeah, can deal with it I think we're good. Um, if, you, if you hear that, th those are flies buzzing around us. We've been we're in the cabin, and it's it's just uh, got yeah. the windows open at the moment, yeah. so just deal. Um, <laughs> so, so we popped out that back cushion, and it made for like a much bigger sitting space. Mm -hmm. So now I can like sit cross-legged over there, and like we can hang out, and it's. I don't know, just makes the space a lot bigger. And then, like, at night, if I want to, like, stay up and read or do whatever, I can sit on that bunk, and it's a lot more space. I can lay, like, um, long ways mm -hmm. and lean against the wall, and I just have, like, space to work with. Nice. Um, so that's been excellent. Um, <clears throat> and that was, like, the latest remodel. Another thing that we did is we upgraded our solar system. Mm. So we had the Goal Zero Yeti 400. It's a 400-watt-hour um, battery and we need to talk about watt hours versus amp hours and all that. Cause yeah. there's a lot of confusion. I'm there. still kind of, I'm still new to that lot of stuff. Cause I just, so installed maybe solar. that'll be the next episode, but, um, mm. it's, it's measured in watt hours, which I think takes a lot of the ambiguity out of it. Cause if you speak in amps, mm -hmm. then you have to, um, assume the volts to get to Watts. So if you just speak in Watts, it's accommodate or it's accounting for both 
the amps and volts. Oh, okay. So I just think it makes more sense so, to yeah, cause, watts. Because I, I hear of a lot of people that live the way we do, and they always talk in watt hours. Or, or amp, amp, or, hours. amp hours. Amp yeah. hours. Yeah. Amp hours. And say, well, you know, this thing will draw like 1.2 amps per hour or whatever. Right. So you can calculate... But then you have to factor in voltage. Okay. So I think w w why that came to be or why people generally speak in amp hours mm -hmm. is the voltage, like, what is a car, like 12 volt? I believe so, yeah. Um, or 9 volt, whatever it is. Um, you have the voltage you can assume, or in a house it's like 110. Mm -hmm. So if you speak in amps, you're dealing with, like, smaller numbers because you can assume the voltages. Okay. I assume that's why people speak in amps. Yeah, I don't know. But I don't know. Anyway, yeah, that, that'd be that's a good one for confusing. Yeah. yeah. So so we had the 400-watt-hour battery, which, uh, like, our my MacBook Air is, like, a 50, 60-watt-hour battery. So I could charge it, like, um, you could assume, or you could um, calculate like eight times, but it was an AGM or lead acid battery. Mm -hmm. So with those, to keep them at their like full like health, you can't, or you don't want to drain them often below like 50%. Mm. Um, so if you drain them down super low, it can like degrade the health of the battery. So you effectively have like 200 watt hours to work with versus like the 400 that's on the battery if okay. you want to like keep it rocking for a long time but to be honest in the winter and stuff we drained ours down to 20 percent and then we would like cut it once and once it was at 20 percent the battery like once it shows 20 percent it could be all the way up to 39 percent because as soon as it goes under 40 it drops to showing 20 oh, okay on the on the 400 mm -hmm. but anyway we upgraded and got a 1000 watt hour battery but we still have the 400 mm -hmm. so now it is like peripheral now, did you have the lithium or the... The lithium 1000. Okay. So the lithium versus the lead acid, um, the lithium, you have like the full capacity of the battery to work with. So you have that full 1000 watt hours and you can run it down. I don't know if you could run it down to zero often and be good, but you can run it down pretty low. So you, it's effectively like five times the storage. Mm. So, because with the 400, we had like 200 watt hours of um, like actual storage because you don't want to take it much under 50%. With the lithium, we can take it all the way down. So if you multiply 200 times five, that's effectively, it's like five times the uh, effective capacity. Okay. So that's increased our um, sort of staying power in the woods a lot. Because mm -hmm. um, we can, and we can be a lot lazier with our power generation. Because when we just had the 30 watt panel and the 400, it was, I had to be like pretty diligent about positioning it and everything if we were going to be working on our laptops all day. Yeah, and then th and that, that, that can be kind of frustrating because then you're kind of a slave to that and right. you're thinking in a rhythm. Right. And you're constantly going out and checking to make sure everything's powered right. properly. And just for people who aren't aware that haven't used solar yet, it's always key to charge stuff while you're charging with solar. That way you can utilize the sun while you're right. You don't want to charge your battery fully and then just you know, be out of sun and then start using the battery. Like, right. charge stuff while you're charging your battery with right. the solar and then in conjunction with it. It's because all that, if, so say our 400 is at 100%, mm -hmm. so it's totally charged. If the best time to charge is at that time because otherwise that supplemental energy mm -hmm. that you could be harvesting is just wasted. Yeah. So you want to top off all your things. Not like it, you want, it doesn't even matter if it's like full sun, if it's like the brightest part of the, it's just once your main power bank is full, you want to start charging all your peripherals. Yep. Cause then you have like your, um, cumulative power bank is much higher. Mm -hmm. So if we charge our, my MacBook and Elsa's MacBook pro, 
then mine's like another 60 watt hours of power and then hers is another 80 watts so then on top of our 400 we have i don't know whatever 530 watts yeah because you can charge stuff from there yeah right definitely so yeah building up your cumulative power bank and we need to talk let's like yeah let's talk deeply about solar in another one yeah definitely um cool but yeah that's a recent upgrade was the lithium 1000 watt hour battery and it's been huge that thing is awesome and we got a 100 watt panel too nice so now we have two 30 watt panels and a 100 watt panel cool all right so so recently you uh you upgraded you got a we boost cell yeah. booster it's a yeah. wilson electronic cell booster and it's made formerly wilson electronic was oh, it right? formerly wilson that's, Le- that's what i've heard them say in their videos I don't oh know. okay i don't know yeah um and so that booster seems to have been a game changer for you. Yeah, it's huge. Let's explain and that. The one that we got is the RV65, okay. and it's the highest, and I don't really understand like what the decibel level does. It's like the strength of the boost or the communication mm. uh, capacity with the antenna, but it's the strongest one that you can get um, for like residential use. So okay. it's not even technically a mobile booster. Because of the telescoping pole and stuff. Oh, okay. That's how so, it gets around that. Oh, okay. So that, that that's why the, 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 the antenna is, is directional. Well, kind that of. and the directional t- antenna has its own, like, benefits. Uh-huh. So so anyway, <laughs> sorry, we're getting too deep. Yeah. Um, we're, so, the, uh, so what it does is it receives a cell signal and it boosts that and then transmits it, like, in our scamp. So... The one that we have is a directional antenna. Mm-hmm. So they have omnidirectional antennas too, which aren't quite as um, strong. Like the signal isn't quite as good okay. with the omnidirectional, but it's from all directions. So even if you're if it's like switching up between towers, mm-hmm. um, like while it's sitting still, it can like interface with different towers because sometimes like one tower will get overloaded or whatever. So it can like. So that's nice, and if you're driving, you don't have to set it up. Like, it's always set up. So if you're, like, mobile, um, you can get cell signal while you're mobile, too, which is similar to what you have. Yeah. yeah. So how ours works is the antenna is on a 25-foot telescoping pole. Um, So depending on how much signal we need, how strong we need it to be, or, like, um, how bad the reception actually is we'll actually put it up all the 25 feet but sometimes it's like halfway or whatever and then we have a app on our phone called open signal and that is like this little circular compass with an arrow on it and that points to the the cell tower that your phone's connected to oh i didn't know that so i don't know if it's even the nearest cell tower but it's whichever carrier you have the cell tower that your phone's connected to so in some places it'll even like bounce between different towers Hmm. Um, which is kind of uh, difficult to enter or to uh, deal with with the directional antenna. But once we get it up, it's like locked in, and that's where the s- phone is getting the strongest signal. So it'll use that. So you use that to work and stuff like that. Yeah. So um, and we need to upgrade to unlimited um, bandwidth on our phones, but we haven't found like the plan to do that, and it hasn't been like a definite necessity. Mm-hmm. And there's some there's something to speak. Or there's like there's virtue in not having unlimited data. Because then we read a lot more and write a lot more and make more videos and that kind of stuff with the potential distraction of the internet, even being able to have podcasts on all the time. Yeah. Um, we don't get as much meaningful work done. Um, so that's part of why we haven't upgraded to unlimited yet. But it is nice to be able to like post to Instagram and like check email and like do all those types of things mm-hmm. in places that don't normally have cell signal. Yeah. Because then we can get away from the people. Because people will oftentimes like go to 
the range of the cell that. signal. Like right at that bit, right at the edge. Yeah, then it cuts there's, off. There's like this camp of, of like cars is lined right. up, you know. Right. But but beyond that, you won't find. You'll find one right. twentieth of the people. Right. So yeah, that's something also that we've noticed is if you can like find gnarly roads that are like just barely passable, then um, you won't have nearly as many people. Yeah. So it's like it's that. Like a natural. Then, it's like a natural barrier. Right. Yeah. So. Um, so yeah, now we can get way back into the sticks, and with our new solar setup and everything, we have the power to power all of our devices and the booster. Cool. The booster pulls, I think it's like, um, I want to say like something under 20 watts for sure. I think it's like 12 or something like that. Um, and it, we got the dongle so that it can plug directly into the cigarette lighter port in our Yeti, hmm. our Yeti um, battery. The Goal Zero Yeti. I should probably call it a Goal Zero rather than a Yeti. <laughs> that could be confusing. Yeah. Um, but anyway, it plugs directly in, so it doesn't have to um, invert the power to AC from DC. It can go straight DC, so then we don't have the power loss there. Mm -hmm. So it's a little bit more efficient to use the cigarette lighter than it would be the AC um, port that comes with it. Um, so, yeah, it pulls very little power, and we can go out and stay out for longer Another thing that we did recently is we got another six-gallon water jug. Hmm. So we have two six-gallon jugs that fit like perfectly behind the seats of the Subaru, so they're like easy to transport. And then we have a 2.5-gallon jug with a little nozzle on it that we put in the scamp. Oh, okay. So cumulatively, we have like 14 and a half gallons of water, which is enough for us to be off-grid for or like not go into town for a while. Yeah, and you also have the water period. Yeah, we just got a. Our friend Reed gave us a um, Sawyer like inline drip water filter, and it's made for like the little water bottles. Mm -hmm. But the threads fit; um, they're like pretty universal threads. So we got um, a bigger bottle, and then we can put that in, go fill that up, put it into our six-gallon jug, and then just let gravity do the work. Nice. And over the course of like I don't know, 25, 30 minutes, it'll filter like two liters of water or whatever. That's cool. Which is sufficient. Yeah, know? and if you're just chilling at camp, I mean, right. you might as well let the, the time and right. gravity do its work. And, and we're like generally spending time outside. Yeah. And since it's summertime, we've um, been spending a lot of time by the water, so it's really easy for us to go fill it up. Nice. So that, that the WeBoost, our extra power, and the water filter and extra mm -hmm. water has really increased our ability to stay off-grid and stay, like, not going to town as much. Because nice. when we first started, it was near daily. Yeah, that's, that we that's what I was. Yeah, yeah. yeah I the same thing. It was hard to be, and then showers we were doing a lot more often. Mm -hmm. But now I, I don't really, like, even when I shower, I don't, like, or bathe. I oftentimes won't use soap, but just, like, clean off in the river, you yeah, know? Awesome. And, like, if you sit in the river, like, fully submerged and scrub yourself, like, pretty solid yeah ish yeah, you know yeah but there's <laughs> yeah heavy on the ish yeah. you know but yeah so those three things have really increased our ability to stay out and it's been huge cool and i really think we boost for um like pioneering this technology yeah it's it amazing in. the boosters perform awesome. much better than any other so ones. props guys if you hear this yeah you're doing it right you know you've also mentioned this winter and about this past winter you were in arizona yeah so we nice. started it yeah but it was the mildest winter ever in colorado so yeah but I, the wind was gnarly okay the wind yeah. chill was insane okay so but there was there was hardly any snowfall right but those cold temps were stuff to, uh, would be tough to combat and mm -hmm. the way you've currently got things set up so so maybe i'll talk about that quick yeah how so we, let's, let's talk or about how we that. did the cold months like even when we got started and stuff yeah like the, like how, so how to manage the cold initially um to heat the scamp we had a mr buddy heater but ours was just um bonk like it was just 
piece of crap. We called it, we started calling it the Mr. Bummer. Because <laughs> to get it lit, it has this thermal coupler that's like right by the um, uh, the flame. Yeah. The little like pilot, pilot flame. And the thermal coupler has to be warm enough to, um, so that it thinks that it's on, so it thinks the pilot light's on. Otherwise, it'll automatically sh- shut off so you don't like suffocate yourself with propane, right? So since we were at altitude and the um, and it was so cold, to turn the thing on, I had to warm up the thermal coupler with a lighter for... Oh, the camera went off. Yeah. I had to warm up the uh, thermal coupler with a lighter for a long time to even get the thing to stay on. For oh, it to keep man. bleeding gas. I, I didn't realize that, that yeah. was an issue. So that was a problem. So then we got... Um, so right now our setup is like the most dangerous by <laughs> measure, you know? Like it's oh. just the... Uh, it's like a sunflower type like uh, propane top heater, you know? Yeah, it sits on top of a one gallon yeah. container. Yeah, right. That's, that's what it's top. designed to do yeah. is sit on those little green guys. But we got the hose, so now we have it to like a five gallon, I think, propane mm-hmm. can. Or five pound, however they measure them, um, but it's relatively small, and that has lasted us since we got it. We filled it once, nice, um, and we run our stove off that now too. Cool. Oh, and that's another upgrade that we did to the scamp. Effectively, is we got a little Coleman stove, so we're not just with the BioLite because with the uh, fire ban, that was a thing. Yeah, me too. I had to go get a stove. So there, so we had this, um, or we still have the sort of like circular propane top heater. Mm-hmm. So we just have to be diligent about venting. And turning it off when we're done. Um, and that got us through, like, part of last winter and the winter before. Or part of this winter and the winter before. But with propane, the byproduct is um, moisture, like water. You know, so, like, it puts water vapor in the air. So, with that, once you turn off the propane heater, as soon as the air temperature, like, cools down and gets back to where it was, then it feels colder than shit because there's so much water in the air Mm. so that like damp sort of residual water makes it feel like biting cold you know yeah um so that's a pain so what we're thinking about doing this winter so that we can kind of um stick out the winter and this was after the experience with your four season tent and the stove Mm -hmm. that was just incredible because then you have dry heat you have um a cooking surface all the time so if you want to make tea and it's cold you know like you're in the winter and you're up in like snow mm-hmm. so it's fun to be able to like throw on some cinnamon rolls or, yeah you know like that was incredible <laughs> yeah not having to worry about any big predators right. they're all they're all uh crashed out doing their hibernation thing um so so this winter what we're looking at doing is a wood-burning stove and initially, we were looking at the cubic mini stoves um, and installing that on the bench seat, effectively, of the Scamp and having a stovepipe that we drill out the roof and, like, vent it that way. Mm-hmm. I've seen a guy on the Scamp uh, forums do that, and it looked really cool. Like, that would be awesome. But then that takes away all that space. And given that it's going to be cold, pretty freaking cold, we're going to likely be spending a lot more time in the Scamp. Mm-hmm. So, and that cubic mini would have to be so small that to get it to like run overnight, we'd have to have mega hardwood and there's just yeah. a lot to go with that. Yeah. So what we're thinking now after um, kind of like seeing your setup and your awning setup with your tent that folds out and all that mm-hmm. um, is doing a tent next to the scamp, like kind of attached to it and having our wood burning stove, like a decent sized wood burning stove out there. And then we can 
seal that off to the scamp and then that could effectively heat both the scamp and that um outdoor living space oh nice so you'd have like a like essentially like a bedroom with your scamp and a living right. area with the with the tent exactly. that would be attached to it and then that way we could go out there and stretch and do yoga and stuff yeah. and like stay not fat over the winter <laughs> yeah let me tell you that's a problem yeah <laughs> i gained 17 pounds last week <laughs> so yeah you know that that sounds cool and and, and having the bigger stove like that is going to be much easier with with hardwoods you can right. put a larger piece in there set the damper on the front to low right. and then let it just smolder all night and you have heat totally so and you're right that dry heat is, is a game changer yeah it's huge versus propane and i think if we had vented propane mm-hmm. to where like the fumes were going outside somehow i don't know exactly how that works if it's like radiant or whatever mm-hmm. but i think that would be a little bit better um uh, also yeah that's a derailment but um <laughs> the uh yeah with the the wood dry heat then you can go out and like harvest that and there's something to that like it just feels good yeah like even if even on the days when I'm not really doing anything, just to be like harvesting power mm-hmm. and putting power into the batteries yeah. just feels good. Yeah. So to be able to go out and harvest our own wood and process that, that's it's just a cool thing, you know. Yeah. To that sort of self reliance I think feels awesome because i don't know i don't know any dinosaurs that i could like suck their farts out and make propane yeah exactly well yeah you're right about that it's like you go out there and there's something to be said about being self-sufficient right and it makes you feel in my case it builds confidence yeah you think like man i can you know i've got this stove it's right. gonna be negative 30 tonight no big deal right like it doesn't matter it's, it's a game changer as far as being out there in wintertime camping is insane yeah and so. i think it's a security thing too like the more self-reliant i become mm-hmm. and being able to even like figure out like minor illnesses or whatever's going on and like treating those and um, harvesting our own power, making, doing all these things. Mm-hmm. Um, it makes me more co- confident in my own security that I have with myself. Like I know that I can go out in the woods and it's like gonna be good. It, you yeah. Know? Yeah. You're going to be fine. Um, like clearly there's complexities there. Like food's a thing and there's all these things. Like I, I can't just like walk out barefoot. <laughs> right. Cody Lundin <laughs> and her less trout. You know, like I'm not yeah. on that level. <laughs> and, yeah. Live right. off the sun's rays. Right. Crazy yeah, stuff. Just, just like that. Yeah. yeah. I'm not quite there yet. But <laughs> to know or to be like this much more self-sufficient, self-sufficient, um, it gives me that security that I think a lot of other people find in like their um like what's in their bank account or all these types of things they know that they can like buy themselves out of any problem yeah i know that i can like either not get into many problems or like find my way out yeah and like and also too there's something to be said for basic survival totally you know i think that there somehow that's 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 hard-coded in our in our dna Mm -hmm. so when we're when we're able to go out there and be but well and realize that we can be a lot more self-reliant than we think we are yeah there's something to be said for that totally so so yeah, that's that's maybe our winter. That's our plan that we're looking at for winter because like spending time in Arizona was awesome, uh-huh. but in the winter time in like the high mountains of Colorado, like not around ski areas, it kind of dies out in the winter. There's not a lot of traction or not a lot of traffic. So to be able to have that solitude and be out and like stay in the snow, just from our short experience winter camping, camping the times that we have. It's pretty awesome. There's something to be said for that. Yeah, and there's there's something to be awesome, like like you said, cooking up cinnamon rolls, biscuits. Yeah. I mean, do we? Yeah. Those four days that we sat there and camped together, it was, together, it was awesome. I had to like take a break from food for like a day and a half and do a fast because we ate so yeah, much. It, it was, was pretty gluttonous. <laughs> <It was>, um, <laughs> Cookies every all the time, cinnamon yeah. rolls all the time, all that stuff. And that's like the only reason we went to town is for more places to make cookies. <laughs> exactly. We had to bake it. Oh, we got to get some more survival food. Yeah. So it was goofy. Yeah. But yeah, that's super fun, and to just have that solitude 
and down and slow time that the winter brings, you know, like even all life is slowed down, you know? Um, so to be able to kind of sit with that and write and read and just like, um, sort of decompress over the winter. And then once spring comes, like kick back up with the flowers and like kick ass. Yeah. It's almost, it's almost like you're following the rhythm of the earth. Right. You know, it's like winter time, days are shorter, not as much sun, a lot colder. So you kind of hunker down and. For me, that's a time of like self-reflection and making totally. sure I'm on point. And then by the time spring rolls around, man, you're ready to hit it. Right. So so hopefully we can embrace that this winter. That's because, awesome. Because, yeah, like working with the seasons, I think there's something to that. Because I've noticed, too, that when I'm with the circadian rhythm, mm-hmm. like when I'm rising and sleeping with the sun, I feel like like a kick-ass. Oh, yeah. You, you know? get so much done. Right. And on top of it, too, you feel like you're in a natural rhythm. Right. So it's not it's not foreign to your body. And I feel like I get plenty of sleep, and I can wake up with the sun and go be exposed to it, and then it's like, boom, I'm rocking. You yeah, know? totally. So to be even more in tune with like the rhythm of nature would be an interesting thing. That's cool. Because this year, it was wild going down to Arizona. It was the first time I've ever skipped um, winter, you know? Because growing up in KC, it was like four distinct seasons, you know? Yes. The, the spring and fall being like pretty waning and then it gets yeah hot. for like a week <laughs> yeah and then it's like hot as shit and it's cold as shit but um the skipping winter was a wild thing um like we were down there i was like shirt off in the sun at you know 8 a.m and then i like i get online and look at what other people are doing and it's like freezing cold and they're like snowed in mm-hmm. so it was wild to mm-hmm. be in summer effectively until summer began again um, it's an interesting experience and like, I'll probably do it again, but I want to have the nimbleness to, um, like be with the winter and deal with that mm-hmm. and, um, choose to do that if we want or choose to go down South, you know, totally. cause we kind of fleshed out the thing, um, going down to Arizona, like we kind of figured out how to live in the desert. We did all that and it was awesome. And it was a brand new experience mm-hmm. related kind of to, um, if you've ever played don't starve, we need to play that together. Okay. Yeah. You've told there's me don't it. starve together and there's different seasons within it. And each season comes with its own complexities. Okay. Like it's so hot in the summer that you have to have an ice cube on your head or you'll overheat and like all those types of things. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's kind of doing that and adjusting to new seasons in real life and new, um, biomes, if you will, like the desert biome, mm-hmm. There was complexities that came with that. Yeah, that, that, that you don't experience up here. Right. Like yeah, we were talking right. about water and being like now that it's summer, we can be right on the water mm-hmm. and it's excellent. It makes it super easy because we can go bathe, whatever. In Arizona, water is not a thing. Like yeah. it is in certain places and we camp next to like within a mile of a river for a while. And so it's there, but there's much far less water in the desert. Mm -hmm. But with that, it's so much drier, the heat's so much drier that you like don't get as gnarly as you would like say in Kansas city where the humidity's hot, Mm -hmm. like, or high rather, it just feels hot and muggy. So you get like nasty quick. Yeah. totally. down in the desert, it's not so much. Okay. That's cool. So hopefully this winter we'll be able to get our, um, wood burning stove and stuff and then we can rock it out in colorado still nice i'm I'm looking forward to checking that out yeah i've got some other ideas too now that we've been talking uh, to expand upon what you and i were talking about before we started this and if any of you guys out there listening have any ideas for that for um like a tent that attaches to the scamp or like an awning tent or whatever it is that we could have a wood burning stove in um Give us a shout because that would be awesome. Yeah, and we, we, we'd be looking for something that'd be double walled and probably canvas or a hybrid material of something that's fire resistant and that has a stove jack. So just keep in mind, like, there's a lot of three 
three season tents that can attach to cars and vehicles and stuff like that. But that's that's not sufficient for the winter time, mm-hmm. and we'll need like big poles and stuff like that. So anybody out there that has any ideas based around those parameters, let us know. Yeah, and uh, we'd love to include you in any podcast in the future. So if you got any questions or comments, that, that definitely hit hit us up and send it to us. Yeah, and and go from there. Why don't we do this? I mean, we we spent some good time talking about your setup. Yeah. Why don't we do another podcast talking about mine? Because mine's going to be long. I mean, okay. I've gone through so many variations of it, and I've got so much stuff to explain on my truck. Cool. And then that way, uh, you know, people can tune in for. Whatever's interesting. Yeah, if they're, if they're, if they're interested in camping or right. if they're interested in truck camping. And then we'll maybe do another one for all the different potential setups. There. Yeah, definitely. And, and I'd like to include some resources for people to check totally. out. Like if they're, if, they're, if they're looking at SUV camping, because yeah. you know, a lot of people do that. One of my friends, Tristan, he has a good YouTube channel. It's SUVRVE.com or SUVRVE. Okay. So it's like SUV and then RV and then ING. Okay. And that's a good channel. And then my channel's for truck camping. Your channel's for, for scamp. Right. Let's, 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 let's see if we can get some other people. Have like pop ups and stuff like that, totally. and just just introduce people to different things because you can do this in a car. Yeah. Like you don't have to have a truck, you don't have to have a camper. Right. You can do it in straight. I've seen people or do on it. a bike, or you could walk. You know. Yeah, totally. There's a bunch of different ways. I've seen people do it in Prius. I mean, you yeah. name it. So you don't have to have a huge vehicle. You just got to make it work. So. Cool. Yeah, let's do that. Cool. Let's wrap this one up then. All right. Sounds good, brother. Thanks for tuning in, guys. Yeah. Another good podcast in the can. And if you got any questions for us, like we said in our previous podcast. Shoot it to us if you'd like to be included in the audio. Uh, record a little clip, send it our way, and you can message us through any of the channels that you found this on, um, and, or you can message us directly. My email is brian at coloradobackcountryadventures.com. And mine's barrenlink at gmail.com. All right, guys. Thanks for listening. Peace.